Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Take your Bible, if you would, open it to 1 Samuel 29, 29.2. Pick up with me, 29.2. In fact, when I'm accused in heaven by the accuser of the brethren, he is my defense attorney. My sentence has been paid in full. When we come to the table tonight, that's what I want you to remember. If you're a Christian, you are faultless before the throne. Not because you're so great, but because he is great. Amen? Now, he does want you to become better. He does want you to grow in holiness. It's not an excuse for sin, but it's the glory of who we are in Christ. So these questions now begin to fly in the Philistine camp. What are they doing here? And Achish says, I find no fault in him. If you're interested, Pilate said that in Luke 23, 4 of Jesus, in Luke 23, 15, and Luke 23, 22. When he had said it the third time, why, what evil has he done as they yelled, crucify him? I, f- I found no reason for death uh, in him. I therefore cha- will chastise him and let him go. But they wouldn't let him. They overwhelmed his desire to let Jesus go. And he said over and over again, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. And Pilate was right because Jesus never sinned, but Pilate did not completely understand who Jesus was because he asked him in John 18, are you a king? And Jesus said, you say rightly I'm a king. This purpose, I've come into this world, I've been born, I've, been, I've come into this world to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who's of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Pilate would, be, would fit in well on college campuses today. He would be another relativist in the long line of people who say, what do words mean anymore? Is there such a thing as truth? I mean, that's what people are saying these days, folks, in the high levels of academia. Is there such a notion as truth? Whose truth? Right? That's what we're dealing with now. But even there, had Pilate understood Jesus was a king, he said that, but he said, my kingdom is not of this world. For If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would be fighting. But now my kingdom is not of this realm. Pilate goes out right after that and says, I find no fault in him. There's nothing wrong with this guy. He does not deserve to die. And I told you that even though David is imperfect, he continues to cast the shadow of the coming anointed one, the greater David, the one who would deliver us from our sin. There was no sin in him. No deceit was found in him. He was sinless. And so the word is going Back and forth. The commanders of the Philistines were angry. Uh, Verse 4. Furious is the idea with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Make the man go back, that he may return to his place. Maybe all the lines of marching have stopped and everybody's listening to the conversation. Where you have assigned him, do not let him go down to to the battle with us, lest in the battle he become a Satan to us, an adversary. Literally, this is where we get the idea of Satan, an adversary to us. 
For with what could this man make himself acceptable to his Lord? You say he's a defector? I'll tell you how he'll get out of the doghouse and back into Saul's good graces with our heads. He's done it before. And we think he may do it again. You know, if a people group has a precedent of acting a certain way, don't be surprised if they do it again. (laughs) Hello? I mean, I think somebody's probably rubbing Achish's head with a knuckle. Hello? This has happened before. He's cut off the heads of our people. Do you not understand the danger of him in the back of the line with 600 of his warriors? Well, Achish has tried to defend David, but they're saying, make him go back. In fact, uh, in an earlier scene in this book, uh, when Israel fights against the Philistines because of Jonathan's faith with his armor bearer, even people who had defected and gone into Philistine territory, when they saw Israel winning, they began to fight against the Philistines as well. And uh, people remember that stuff. Didn't you read that article when we heard, you know, that's what they're basically saying. And so they're saying, make him go back. Is this not David, verse 5, Look at the pagans know our songs, folks. Is this not David of whom they sing in the dances saying Saul has slain his thousands and David, what? Keyword, slain. Akish, did you hear that? The song says he kills people. (laughs) Hello, that's an indication. (laughs) He has, Saul has slain his thousands. Here's the hit song. And David, his ten thousands, they dance to it. It's at every one of their big bar mitzvahs. <laughs> it's not the literal language, but anyway. Do you know that non-believers know our songs? They know what they say. They, they, do you know that if you started to sing a cappella Amazing Grace, everybody in the room knows the words? Why do they know those words? Do you know that non-Christians secretly listen to Christian radio stations? They do. In fact, this last week I had one of them tell me that. I listen. Wow. Why do you listen? To get angry (laughs) at a God I don't believe in. They know the song. And the content of the song is quite revealing. This dude kills Philistines. That's their song. I mean, it can't get any more plain than this, can it, folks? Then Akesh called David and said to him, Akesh is sounding pretty spiritual, right? He's sounding almost like he's a man of, who believes in Yahweh. He says, as the Lord lives. <laughs> wow. Have you noticed that sometimes if you hang around unbelievers, they'll start using church language? Now, it takes them a while. (laughs) Because over the years, I've played racquetball with unbelievers, and they'll let expletives fly. And I'm not surprised when unbelievers curse around me because it's to be expected. But they'll say, oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'll say, you may kiss my ring. And I'll I'll throw some, hold on, let me get my water. Anyway, <laughs> you got to take full advantage of these opportunities. So, as the Lord lives, you have been upright, verse 6. You're going out, you're coming in with me in the army, are pleasing in my sight. 
I've not found second time fault or evil in you from the day of your coming to me to this day, but Achish does not know everything. Nevertheless, you are not pleasing in the sight of the Lord's. You're good in my eyes, David, but I got news for you. You're not passing the test in the eyes of the commanders, in the eyes of the Lord's. Not so good in their eyes. Now, therefore, in light of this, he says, return. That's the word we often see for repent. It means turn or turn around. And go in peace. That's the word shalom. That you may not displease the Lord's of the Philistines. I want you to go back. I don't want you to rock the boat. And Achish is won over by the commanders, just like Pilate was won over by the crowds. Because Pilate, he tried to let Jesus go at the end. Remember he said, you have a custom at what feast, the Passover, that I release one person to you. How about Jesus, huh? And what did they say? Give us who? Barabbas. An insurrectionist, a murderer. And we want him instead. Well, what shall I do, do with Jesus, who is called the anointed one, the Christ? And they said, crucify him. Wow. Pilate was trying, and Achish is trying. He says, I don't find any fault in you, but you need to go back. Go, return, go in peace. And David said to Achish, but what have I done? And what have you found in your servant from the day when I came before you to this day that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the King? Now, on the surface, David sounds like he's disappointed, like he wanted to go fight his own people. But David has never done this. He's never fought against his own people. And I don't think that that was ever his desire. He was in a tough spot. I think he may be feigning it. I think he may be acting a little bit. After all, he's a pretty good actor. He can play the part of a crazy person pretty well. Spit running down the beard and all that. But I think there's a different desire in David's heart. And I'll let you ponder this one. I think David wanted to be there in the rear. Because when the battle began, I think he was going to fight for his people. In fact, this may shock you, but I think it's quite possible that David was going to try to fight for Saul. Two times we've already seen he tried, he had opportunities to kill Saul and he did not. Saul is overwhelmed and David is marching now and he's in a strategic position. If he can stay where he's located, he may have a shot of taking out a bunch of Philistine troops, but I want you to see David's heart. If I'm correct, in my conjecture, I think David's heart is, I'm going to try to do whatever I can to deliver my people. Now think with me for a second. In the book of Judges, when Samson is born, and the judges that follow, this is at least implied, they would be, become deliverers for Israel to deliver them from the Philistines. When Saul was originally called to be king of Israel, he's the first king, David will become the second. One of his main calls in life is to deliver Israel from the Philistines. And I think David knows that. And I think he probably wants to stay in that line to try to rescue his people. After all, he's about to become the king of Israel. I don't think he's going to the fight just to show 
the king what he can do. He says that earlier, but I think he's trying to be there even though he's in a tough spot because he's going to try to fight for his people. David was no, never overwhelmed by insurmountable odds. Remember, he was the one man who was willing to fight the giant. He was the one man. And I think he's probably thinking in his heart, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory here for the sake of my people. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Notice at the end of verse 8, he says, that I may not go out and fight against the enemies of my Lord, the King. He leaves it somewhat ambiguous. And I think he hasn't defined who his Lord, the King is for a reason. Because his Lord, the King, may be a reference to Saul. He's called Saul, my Lord and my King, even after all the tension's been between them. But he also may be talking about the Lord, my Lord or the, the Lord, my King, as his ultimate king, who is who? God or Yahweh. Now that's my conjecture, but I think I'm on pretty solid ground. And so David makes an appeal to Achish, but Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are pleasing. Here's the third time I find no fault in you. I know that you are pleasing or good or blameless in my sight. Notice Achish, like an angel of God. Achish sounds like a spiritual dude. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, he must not go up with us to the battle. Now, Akesh says, you're not only faultless, third time he said it, but I see you in my sight. You're faultless and you're like an angel of God. And Akesh probably didn't know everything he was saying at this moment, but David was called a man after God's own heart. Now he calls, Akesh even calls him a messenger of God. Have you ever been somewhere... Maybe you're surrounded with a bunch of unbelievers, but everybody knows you at that company. You're some sort of plant from heaven. I hope that's true. I hope that you're in a situation, and I would even encourage you to intentionally put yourself in some spots where there's not a bunch of Christians so you can shine all the brighter. And Akesh has been able to watch David, and David's been imperfect, no doubt. He's been human. He's been deceptive. Maybe he's had noble reasons for it. But David still has one thing Akesh doesn't have. He's been anointed by the Holy Spirit. And that's what you have that unbelievers don't have. Sometimes we underestimate that power. Sometimes we underestimate those fruits. Sometimes we don't realize the impact that we're having on people just by being you. And you, you may have days when you say, well, I, didn't, I didn't feel extra spiritual. I didn't even think I did anything. And then somebody comes up to you and says, do you know when you responded this way that one time? That made me go back to church. I had a lady in a company some years ago. I had witnessed to her several times, and I felt like I was making no impact whatsoever. And if I recall the timing correctly, this has been a long time ago now, I had left the company and she, I had come back and visited in some sort of event and she told me that she and her husband had not only gone, gone back to church, but they were serving in ministry in their church now. And I thought that I had made no effect. It was one of those ones where you, you wonder, is there just a wall here? And that lady, her, her life had changed. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, I've, I've not been that great of a witness. Well, you know, I'm not excusing... Uh, being fleshly and all that kind of stuff. But 
But sometimes you just don't realize the witness that you have. But he says, I'm outnumbered, and so you can't, you can't go. Uh, you're not going to go to the battle. Now then, arise early in the morning, verse 10, with the servants of your Lord. It is interesting that Achish does not say the servants of me. He says of your Lord, and your Lord probably points to either Saul or, or, the, or the Lord God, but I think probably to Saul here. Who have come with you, and as soon as you have arisen early in the morning and have light, depart. First light, I want you to go. So David arose early, he and his men, to depart in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. And the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now we're going to have to see what happens next time. But I want to close this out with a couple of final thoughts and some application points. Number one, I want you to see that in this chapter, to see what you don't see. What you don't see is the sovereign hand of God here. What we sometimes call the providential hand of God. God's hand is moving behind the scenes. David's been pulled out of the battle. He can't go even though he wants to because God has already decreed that Saul is going to die. Samuel's been brought up. He's allowed to be at the, this uh, medium's house. And what does he declare? Tomorrow you and your sons are going to die. And God has pulled David out of the battle because David may have brought deliverance to Saul, but that was not God's plan. David would be king, and God was going to take care of Saul. Two times we have watched David not kill Saul, not take matters into his own hands, and stand upon a Bible verse that says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. David believed that, he acted in accordance with it, and God took care of Saul in his time. In fact, David was so far away from the battle that no one could ever accuse David of wrongdoing. God took care of it. He made David go south and the Philistine army was marching north and David, there could be no accusation. His hands would be clean. He could not be accused of taking the throne by force or manipulating the circumstances. God assured that. And God can do that for you. Even when you go into Philistine territory and you try to, to do some things to manipulate, at least David did a lot of things right. And in the end, God took care of it. And you and I need to trust that when we're dealing with something difficult, we're praying over something, and we are tempted to let our flesh lead to step back and stand upon the promises of God. David's intentions were good. I think he wanted to fight for his people, but God said, now is not the time. You're going to fight a different battle, but you're not going to fight this one. You know, a lot of life is about timing. And it's about being on God's timetable, not yours. There are scripture verses that say to act and don't sit around and be lazy. And there are other verses that say to wait. <laughs> I know the rub is to try to figure out what times to wait and what times to act. But I would say to you, more times than not, we usually know which one to do. We can usually sense when we're getting ahead of God or when we're being lazy and not doing something we ought to do for God. It's usually not that difficult to figure out. I'd like you to turn all the way to John 18 to prepare us for communion. John 18, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. Look at verse 35. Let me pray.
Father, um, as we get ready now to come to your table, and we can see your providential hand in the life of David, Lord, would you help us to trust you in deeper ways in our battles? Someone here tonight may find themselves in a pickle. Maybe they have come under the covering of something that's not of you and they're wondering how they're going to get out of it. And and you provided a way of escape for David. Your unseen hand provided a way out through the commanders of the Philistines saying he can't go. Even when David probably wondered if he needed to get out of this, how he would, you provided a way of escape and there was no turning back and We can see you taking care of the Saul situation, taking care of the throne, and taking care of his difficult spot between a rock and a hard place just by your faithfulness, Lord. So we want to just ponder those truths as we come to your table. We want to get a little closer to you tonight so that we don't get far away from the truths of Scripture or that intimate relationship we have with you, and so we don't get snagged up in the stuff that so easily entangles us. As we read the Gospel of John and we see this proclamation of the innocent one who took upon our guilt upon himself um, because he loves us. Because he did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them. Because the Son of, of God did not come to condemn the world but to save it. Lord, may we rest in that tonight and may we just bask in the goodness of God your faithfulness, Lord. You are a sovereign God and you act according to your, your will and your ways, but I pray you'll help us to be on that page, your same page, Lord, as we come to your table tonight. In Jesus' name. John 18.35, Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you up to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world, If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. John 18, 37. Pilate therefore said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release someone for you at the Passover. Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? Therefore they cried out again and said, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him blows in the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find, what? No guilt in him. Jesus therefore came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When therefore the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify, crucify, Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him for, here's the third one, I find no guilt in him. 
The Jews answered him, we have a law, and by that law he ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard the statement, he was, he was the more afraid. He entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, you do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me up to you has the greater sin. Hi everybody, this is Cameron Thomas here, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael. And we're about to embark on a new adventure for Living Truth Radio. It's not going to replace the program that you're listening to right now. It's actually in addition to what you're listening to. So, Pastor Michael, what's this new adventure that we're embarking on? The new adventure is called The Bible Answer Show, Cameron, and it is a show to get questions from our listening audience and to give them answers. The tagline is, you've got questions, we've got answers. At least we hope to have all the answers, Cameron. And so it's a live interaction show, Q&A style. When can people listen to this new show? This show is going to be on from 12 to 1 Pacific time every Friday. So that's the time. 12 to 1 Pacific Time on Fridays. And how can people access this? There's a number of ways to access it, Cameron, and the hub of it all is livingtruthradio.org. That's our website. And I'm hoping that our listening audience has already been there, livingtruthradio.org. And there they'll be able to find out all the different ways to interact with the Bible Answer Show. And the different vehicles are Facebook Live, live YouTube channel, we'll have podcasting, where they can go back and listen to the show later. And they can even email questions to us at answers at livingtruthradio.org. That's answers at livingtruthradio.org. Awesome. So make sure you guys get those questions into us, because otherwise we're trying to guess what questions you have, and we're not mind readers. So get those questions into us so we can answer them for you on Fridays. Pastor Michael, anything last thoughts? Well, you're kind of the Facebook guy, Cameron, and I was thinking when people go to Facebook Live and they they have to like the Bible Answer Show, right? So tell them about how to like it and then how to get their questions. You have to go to facebook.com slash Bible Answer Show. There's no the, just Bible Answer Show. And you like the page, and if you follow us on Facebook Live on Fridays, you can actually ask your questions there. That's the only real live format that you can ask your questions. Otherwise, you have to email them in. And when they do that, they'll be able to interact with us live and get their questions answered right there on the spot. So that's, it's going to be great, Cameron, and we're really excited. And hey, I just want to tell you guys, keep us in prayer on the Bible Answer Show. We're adding this as a new show We know you have questions, and you may have friends, family members, have questions They may live in other states or even another country. Tell them about the show. Keep us in prayer. And join us this Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Bible Answer Show. Can't wait to be with you guys. On behalf of Living Truth Radio and Pastor Michael Lance, blessings to you all. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, Learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram, at livingtruthcorona, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.